Hey everyone, Brett Maddox here from the Pot of Keith's podcast, welcoming you to another episode. We'll be getting started in just a moment with our 31st episode. I do want to let y'all know that originally we had scheduled president of Asbury Seminary, Timothy Tennant, to be with us on this episode, and we were looking forward to that. But due to some unforeseen conflicts and schedules on our end, not on his end, on our end, we were not able uh, to host him this episode. So we have scheduled him for a later episode um, early in 2022, and we're, we're looking forward to that. In the meantime, we do look forward to uh, coming to you with this episode as we uh, start a, a series here in the Catechism, in the Westminster Catechism, on the Ten Commandments. And so we hope you enjoy this uh, interesting discussion on the moral law and why the Ten Commandments matter. Hello, Potacumans, and welcome back to another episode of the Potacesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends, Jim Morrow, Alan Kaysen. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm doing, doing fantastic. Hey, well, real fine, quick Jim. question. Hey, Jim, no, just I, talk I, over I, me. Hey, Jim, Jim, Jim. I will. This is America. <laughs> Do not tread on my rights. I have a quick question for you. Have you ever said or heard a word that is a beautiful word with a lot of good meaning, but it just made you laugh? Oh, every yes, most of, yes, most of the time. There's a lot of words. I, yes. I have I have a middle couple middle school students, and they they laugh at some words sometimes. It's hard yes. to be the adult in the room when you come it across is. some words that that are uh, an immature person could take. Yes. I just wondered if that was just just my my family or you guys as well. It's really anyway, just you, Jim. It's I'm just... glad to be here with you as we talk about Christian duty. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, what's the matter with you? I don't know. What? Uh, um, okay, let's just. It was the word uh, Christian? Yeah. <laughs> it brought that much joy. Gosh, did, you guys really are so. Is. You guys are so holy. Yes. That's what happens. That's what happens. Um, well, uh, Alan, are you doing okay? I mean, I know Jim was, uh, you know, all over you there. You, how, how you doing? It's okay. Man? I just would like to say, um, hey, everybody, it's good to see you. I'm doing great. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, all of that fight for that? Yes. yes. But it was worth it. It was worth it. It was. It was. Anyway, I want to remind everybody to hit us up on social media at Podakesis is where you can find us um, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, and leave us a five-star review there on Apple Podcasts. That helps us there, and we are so grateful for that. Hey, by the way, guys, we've got two more. Two more five-stars oh, ratings. Two more five-star ratings. Wow. So it's at awesome. At this rate, we're getting like 0. 0.1 a month. Oh, it's great. It's great. We're up to 37. I'm so excited about it. But so anyway, honestly, for those two recents, thank you so much for yes. listening and for taking the time to comment. We're so grateful for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are um, entering into a time in the in John Wesley's uh, revision of the Shorter Catechism where we will be talking about Christian duty. Duty. <laughs> which which is... is uh, uh, a code of behavior or activity that is incumbent upon a person to carry out with moral obligation. That's what we mean by that. That's a, yes. That's wow. Uh, you're like a walking dictionary. What, mm. What's the what's the B definition of duty? 
uh, you might think of it as in the line of duty. Oh, okay. There you as go. In, as in <laughs> a contract with one, which one picks up and receives enumeration for. <laughs> wow, that's very nice. That's very nice. I, I, I won't. I won't ask him what yeah, the let's, uh, let's leave what that the C alone. definition is. So yeah. we'll I think we've on. lost all of our listeners. <laughs> We're going to get our first one-star review for being <clears throat> immature while, and unholy. While we are um, actually uh, late thirties, um, early forties, yep. gentlemen. Yep. We are truly middle schoolers at heart. That's so, true. Uh, we never graduated. We are proving grade. to the audience um, <laughs> that we do not act like our age. So. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I think they probably uh, they, are, they may oh, have ne- with the Star Wars and Marvel and yeah, and all that, yeah. Office and all that. I think they already knew that. Hey, real I don't quick, think, yeah. I was talking to a couple of people today in my sphere of community who brought up. Our Superman Clark Kent reference for Jesus Christ from back in uh, oh my our Christ season of episodes. Yeah, and I was thinking sometimes it's okay to be nerdy because people people uh, can connect with you. That's right, man. Yeah, and thank you to that those hey, listeners. Hey, man, nerds was, unite! Yeah, nerds I love it. unite! Yeah. So we're talking about Christian duty. duty. But we're right, using exactly. we're we're doing this. As an intro to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, right. That's right. So uh, in John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, he's about to enter into a section of uh, dealing with the Ten Commandments. And so he will be um, using kind of as a um, a startup or as a uh, place of uh, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism uses kind of as a beginning or entry point into uh, the Ten Commandments, this idea about moral law or the way our duty, the way we're supposed to live and how we are supposed to live. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to read you four questions and answers from the catechism. Then we're going to go back and we're going to deal with scriptures for each one of those. Uh, this is, think about the next several episodes as we deal with the Ten Commandments more thematically than digging deep into each individual question because each of the commandments, as we get into them, will have four or five questions attached to them. Those are important, but they're more thematic. So we're going to be dealing with the actual uh, commandment itself in these uh, next several um, episodes. So today we're going to go very general. We're going to talk about the moral law. We're going to talk about this idea of duty or how we are to live our lives, what, you know, what we're called to do. And I think this is very important for where we are today in kind of our postmodern uh, world that we are in. This is an important um, a discussion to be having. Um, so let's go ahead and just hit the questions, these four questions to start us off. This is, if you do have the shorter catechism, this is uh, starting with question 39. And uh, the question is, what is the duty that God requires of man? Well, the duty that God requires of man is obedience to his revealed will. Okay. And so a couple of things there, obedience, revealed will, you'll see that there. We'll get back to that. And then we come into uh, question number 40. What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of his obedience? The rule that God at first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law. And can I just say, Alan, you're doing a fantastic job with these answers, as always. Is that Alan? I thought it was Casey Kasem. Oh, I mean, you, you guys. Is this the Pot of Kisses podcast? Or I America's mean, come on. I mean, we're 40 questions into the catechism. Yeah, I've got this now. You Don't got worry. this now. Yes, that's awesome. So now we continue with question 41. Uh, where is the moral law summarily comprehended? Well, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And then question 42 is, what is the sum 
of the Ten Commandments? Well, the sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. All right, so that's awesome. So we now have this entry point into the Ten Commandments, into this idea of morality, into this idea of moral law. You know what's interesting is um, in college, I went to Valdosta State and I studied philosophy and religion in a secular university. And when you look at like the history of religion, one of the things that Judaism that kind of stands out with Judaism and um, some others like Zoroastrianism and, and others is the morality piece, the morality piece that each of these kind of monotheistic or uh, religions bring into into it, particularly Judaism, which is very monotheistic, um, and it's and and one of the first kind of monotheistic religions there is is that a key component is morality is the way uh, we live our lives. It's not about we our obedience. It is an obedience to a revealed set of laws. It's not an obedience to necessarily just to one of the many gods of the pantheon or, for, or whatever, just to live your life according to whatever. There's an actual revealed set of laws. And so it's an interesting thing if you look at the history of religions itself. So we're going to go back and uh, we're going to start at question 39 where we get to the duty that God requires a man. And it's about this revealed will. will. And the scripture proof for this, it comes from Micah and it also comes from 1 Samuel. But we're going to be really dealing with Micah here, Micah 6, 8. And... Um, yeah, right. I got it. Um, Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. And again, the answer to uh, what is what is the duty that God requires is that God requires a man is obedience to his revealed will. Yeah. And, and we're really talking about obedience and following um, God's God's will. You know what's interesting about this too. We I, this is a famous. You, you can find this passage anywhere about what is um, you know. Particularly Micah though, 8. in Micah six eight, you can find it there. This is this is this is the best day. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> awesome. That was very quick. Anyway, so uh, what I meant by that is Micah 6, 8 tends to, you, you can walk into a pastor's office and see it on their wall, or you can walk into someone's home and see it there. You can, it, it tends to be a famous Old Testament passage. To me, and they always focus on that, you know, uh, doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly, which are important. But for me, the most important piece of this is this idea of um, what does the Lord, uh, um, what has he told you, or what has he shown you? Um, this idea that God has shown us, has revealed to us, has told us what to do. Here's what you do, and God is telling you what to do. Um, it's revealed to us. We don't have to guess. It's there, uh, given by God. Mm-hmm. So then in question 40, uh, the scriptures here come from Romans, and uh, some pretty fun stuff here. Yeah, and, and of course, it's talking about how the rule that God first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law. So a couple of passages from Romans, we'll start in chapter two, verse 14 and 15. Uh, And it says this, when Gentiles who do not possess the law do instinctively what the law requires, these, that being the Gentiles, though not having the law or these laws are a law to themselves. They show what the law requires is written on their hearts to which their own conscience also bears witness 
and their conflicting thoughts will accuse or perhaps excuse them. Hmm. And so as Paul starts to bring out here in Romans and other places is that the law that is given in the Ten Commandments is something that uh, is put upon the hearts of people. You almost have a sense of um, what could later be developed into natural theology or natural revelation, where there are some codes of conduct that appear to be universal, even though somebody may not be, say, in the Jewish or Judeo-Christian tradition where they receive these Ten Commandments. If y'all have noticed, uh, have y'all ever seen anthropological studies where, for example, there are some customs that cut across cultures? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. cultures, people will worship, period. Right, right. It's just one of the things that happens. Uh, with some exceptions, there are, um, there are some sense of boundaries around sexual partners, mm-hmm. even without the bounds of marriage. Now, there are exceptions uh, across cultures, but that seems to be an innate thing, like Right. Taking someone's life right. is, or incest, for example. These are things that across cultures uh, are just found to be taboo. And so to speak of the revealed will being upon our hearts is kind of what's happening here. So the Gentiles will obey it, and that in itself is a law. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, Romans 10.5 gives us one more. You know, it's um, interesting that you're getting to Romans 10.5. Even in, like, I've read, even in, like, cannibalistic cultures— Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still like rules, right? Um, there's still rules to that. It's not like this kind of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's not like this just kind of willy nilly, just every, you know, fend for yourself or killing everybody or whatever. You can't, you can't just walk up and bite somebody's leg. Yeah. I mean, like, there's you know, actually rules like, to it. There's a there's a, moral, a nibble, right? There's you a just, moral like, law even to that for that <laughs> those cultures. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I don't know the laws of the of the, of the cannibals, but uh, uh, just wondering. Wow. I mean, how many how many really horrible, disgusting things have we just said in the last four minutes? Wow, this is amazing. Thank God for Jesus. Yeah, amen on that. Romans ten five. Uh, this is another proof, scripture proof. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law. The person who does these things will live by them. Mm-hmm. So there we go. It talks about the righteousness coming by the law, and it's something that we don't just know, but something that we do and live by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, if you'll trace Paul's argument, you'll find ultimately the fulfillment of the law is in Christ. You see that in the Gospels. But this is a great starting point yeah. for the fact that God reveals things for which we are to respond and live. And, you know, Paul starts out this whole letter to the Romans with this understanding that sin itself is disobedience to God. It's breaking of a moral law, even in one eighteen and on um, in Romans. It's an interesting uh, discussion there that he's bringing up what he sees sin to be, and it really is a breaking of this revealed uh, moral moral law. Um, all right, so then uh, uh, the scriptures for uh, for uh, question 41, uh, which is about Samar- how the moral law is summarily comp- comprehended. Um, this gets into the Ten Commandments. And um, <clears throat> so in Deuteronomy, which is one of my favorite books, d- uh, chapter f- uh, 10, verse uh, 4, in verse 4, uh, the uh, passage says, The Lord wrote on these tablets what he had written before, the Ten Commandments he had proclaimed to you on the mountain out of fire on that day in the assembly. 
and the Lord gave them to me. So he's talking about uh, being at Mount Sinai, coming out of Egypt, being at Mount Sinai, and the Lord giving to Moses these Ten Commandments, which would be the beginning point of the, the law that would govern who Israel was in their politics and in their religious order and in their daily lives and all, all of that. These Ten Commandments kind of set the stage. They are the preamble or the Bill of Rights, if you want to call it. I don't know how, you know, they're, just, they're just right there at the front end that leads you into the rest of the 613 laws. And then um, Matthew uh, chapter 19, uh, verse 17, we have, um, uh, why did Jesus say in, um, uh, I'll start at verse 16, just then a man came to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to, e to enter e eternal life? Uh, why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Um, by the way, I thought that we were saved by, not by what we do. Mm. Mm. But, you know, Jim, you've hit on this even in past episodes. What we're talking about, about not being saved by our works it's a, it's a reflection on the law, right? It's a reflection on that, on being obedient, right? right. To, the, to, to the law itself. And then um, in Matthew 22, so the, uh, question 42 says, what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? So we've been introduced to the Ten Commandments. What is the sum of the Ten Commandments? And the answer here comes from Matthew 22, uh, verses seven, uh, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, well, he, there's a question in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, in the 613 laws, uh, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the law and the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. Jesus actually does two things here. First of all, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is the Shema. We've talked about that. Yes, we have. Yes, we have, Brett. But then he also brings in Leviticus seventeen nineteen or nineteen seventeen. Um, he brings in this other piece about loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So he takes these two things, which, by the way, uh, are not necessarily the law themselves. The one out of Leviticus comes out of like this kind of section on the law, but it really is. Which is the greatest commandment? Well, it is living out what the law was supposed to do, right? It is, it is, is living. It's not just picking, okay, laws, you know, four, seven, ten. These, these are the great. No, it all is the greatest. Right. It's all purposeful. I love and how our commentary um, talks about the law and particularly the Ten Commandments and that how the Ten Commandments um, are the best version of the law to fallen man. So. Um, yeah, yeah. That before the fall, before Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree, there was only one. There was only one command. It was only, "Do not eat this for eat this fruit," you know, from this tree. Um, and that um, the Ten Commandments um, are the most perfect form of the law for fallen man. Uh, and actually, it goes on to say later that actually the Sermon on the Mount really what Jesus brings is is um, even more perfect, I guess you would say. But um, I just like, I just, you know, it's just just a pause for us to think about that um, there wasn't a need for these before the fall. 
Um, right. and, you know, and then of course there was no need for, well, you know, there was, Jesus didn't need to come until there was a fall, but right. anyways, um, right. Absolutely. Until disobedience entered into, right. The into our reality and, and, and ultimately what was disobedience for it? Well, it was trying to be like God, right? Uh, yep. To be gods unto ourselves. So, um, so the question I really have on this, as we enter into a discussion about the Ten Commandments and the moral law, uh, especially in the kind of the day and time we live in, um, the, does the moral law even matter? Like, and, and does the Ten Commandments still matter today? You know, do the Ten Commandments still matter today for us as believers? Or have we as the church, we, have we tried to um, unhitch ourselves from, <laughs> from it too, too much by proclaiming, which I believe to be true because it's gospel. It's in the scriptures, this idea of <clears throat> you're not saved by your works. But have we taken that idea, that really kind of that Protestant pillar, and in doing so, thrown the baby out with the bathwater and not completely understood what was meant by that, by that teaching in, in the scriptures about what salvation is and how we are saved? Do the Ten Commandments still matter today? Well, you've got some that say that things like you used the word unhitched. And I mean, that's very openly a reference to one of Andy Stanley's recent works, which I think was super well intentioned. I think, uh, mm -hmm. Andy, if you're listening, I think all I would say to you is maybe, maybe another editing pass would have caused yes. some of the things that were difficult Very much so. um, and helped that book to be received well. But the idea of unhitching to the Old Testament, he asked the question in that book, hey, why do we have the Ten Commandments posted everywhere. Why don't we have the Beatitudes posted everywhere? And I mean, he's got a point. Yeah. He says that we live an Old Testament faith. Now, the difficulty that I think we all have is that this is a, it's a holistic revelation faith that we have. So it's easier to say, blessed are you, mm -hmm. instead of do not. Mm -hmm. One feels better to hear. One mm -hmm. feels better to say. But they are both true. One of them limits our sinful character, and one of them leads us to be as God created us to be through Jesus Christ. Ooh, yeah. um, so it's you need you need both. If Jesus, I think one of the key passages in understanding these requirements, these laws, these codes in the Old Testament comes out of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about, "Do not think that I have come to abolish the law." Um, in fact, you know. Not one dot and tittle of the law will pass away, but I have come to fulfill the law. Right. And that doesn't mean to make it end. That doesn't mean to make it complete. It means I have come to bring into fruition everything the law points to, and I am the fullness of the law. Right. Which means we in the church, it's real easy to go back and look through those 613 laws and to cherry pick and say, well, you know, what's this about, you know, you know Shellfish and yeah, shellfish football and, 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 and a disobedient child being stoned and you know just like uh, that episode you know. from the West Wing. For, right. uh, Brent, you and I were talking about that the other day. Well. For any of you West Wing fans, there's that one little scene where uh, Jed Bartlett, the president, tries to drop the mic on the conservative radio host by mm -hmm. quoting Old Testament passages. Um, well, uh, dramatic scene, it misses the point entirely for the same reason, Brett, you're saying. Go ahead. No, that's exactly right. This is, I think when you're reading the law itself, this is where the, the, um, the, the saying of a text without a context is a pretext for whatever we want it to be is especially true. To read the law in the context in which it's written 
in the culture that it is written, in the, the, for the purpose uh, for which it was written uh, for us, uh, moving into, uh, leading into Jesus, how Jesus interpreted the law, what Jesus said about the law. Jesus, again, he didn't say he came to abolish it. I think that is so key, yet we, we, we want to just throw it all out because we don't understand it. It, it, uh, it. It's strange in places, you know, but yet we want to just, instead of better understanding it, what we're, which we're called to do, uh, we just want to throw it out. Let me, um, let me press on you a little bit uh, to ask you to either define the we or to, let's get a specific okay. concrete yeah. example. Because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, mischaracterize yeah. or overgeneralize, and I think you got a good point. Well, what what is what is something specific that we could then talk through to help illustrate our point? Yeah, so um, you know, you could take, um, I mean, you could take the human sexuality discussion. Mm-hmm. You could which, take which doesn't come out of the Ten Commandments, by the way, but comes in. Uh, there the are other itself. places in right. say Leviticus and other places right. where that's addressed as um, well in the New Testament. Here's here's one. That's, let's just go to the uh, let's just go to the Ten Commandments. Um, adultery, mm-hmm. adultery. Um, we know that adultery is wrong and it hurts and it destroys families and all of this stuff. Right? We we we've seen what it can do, and yet, how many Christians? I know. Okay, I know here. Um, I've I've had experiences with f- folks going through adulterous relationships as a justification for living a fulfilled life, wanting to be fulfilled in their lives. And these are people who would be church members who would uh, say they love the Lord, and yet they justify this this relationship they're in. And where are we as the church? And I say we, this is the big W kind of just overarching, maybe mm-hmm. unfair generalization and all of that. It's not unfair. I'm just trying to, to drill I, in the argument. Where, where, where do we, why don't we speak to that in, in a more concrete, stronger way? Yes, adultery is wrong. And you're, fulfill, you know, say to the couple say that you're wrong in your thinking and you're living a sinful lifestyle and you need to understand that. This, this sin that you are committing is breaking relation. It's breaking your relationship with God. Your, God, your relationship with God is not good right now. And he's not ju- you can't justify it. You can't just say, well, I, I, you know, God wants me to be happy, and this guy makes me happy, or this woman makes me happy, or whatever. You can't just say that and justify and get away with it. it it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. I'll give one more example of this is how it's concrete with my life. Honor your mother and father. People know, I've been open about this, people know I have a very, very terse relationship with my mother. How can I fulfill that? By the way, it says honor your mother and father. It doesn't say honor your mother and father if they're faithful, if they're good, if they're loving. It says honor your mother and father. am, am, Am I being disobedient when I push my mother away? Mm-hmm. You know, these are things I think about all the time. Those are big questions. Yeah. They're very big questions. Uh, as far as those committing to adultery, they're taking Jesus's words out of context. That's not how you're to love your neighbor as yourself. That's true. Right. No, that was a bad joke. Let's move on. <laughs> the, one of the things I think about in the Ten Commandments is it's harder. The, 
Christian religion, I think religion in general has a reputation for being um, oppressively prohibitive. Mm. And if those words are crazy to you, just think about Footloose, Kevin Bacon, and that whole movement where you're not, the show, you're not supposed to dance and sing. And it, and there's a reputation, maybe well-deserved, maybe, maybe not, of trying to, say, control people's lives and behavior. And mm. so when you have things like do not, do not, you shall, um, they're difficult to hear. But especially in the context of who these people are, you know what a wonderful place uh, of research is? And you could do this easily, anybody. It's just say, okay, let's look at the Ten Commandments. And what do those look like when stacked up against the laws of other ancient Near Eastern civilizations? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, is, what does that say about who God is and who he wants the people to be? It's a fascinating read. The other thing that it does is, um, as much as this says, do not do this, do not do that. Think about what that implies about the positive end of each thing. Do not murder. Thou so shalt embrace not life. Murder. Yeah. What does that say about God's view of life? Right. So one of the things that this catechism has done for me personally, that I think we always need to keep in mind, if you look at the first question, it's everything is done through the lens of God first. Right. Right. And so the same thing here. So what do the Ten Commandments say to us? What does the fact that there is a moral law say to us? Which, by the way, which, by the way, it's God first in it because it's God revealed this to us. It's not right. 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 And it's not just some preacher says you're supposed to do this or don't do that. Right. Um, It says that there is there is, according to the first question of the catechism, uh, a purpose and a way to enjoy God forever. These things don't lead there. And so let me shape you. It's kind of like if you take take a, a big piece of marble, if you're Michelangelo, before you get to King David, before you get to the David statue, you're going to be chiseling off big chunks to start getting the basic form down. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening through the course of, of understanding what God calls us to. Um, as he starts with these kinds of things, and this is the framework, this is the, this is the form in which this life takes. Now, I could be moving too far into progressive revelation there, but but you get the point. Uh, so my point, all in all, is the Ten Commandments don't only tell us what not to do. They tell us uh, about how God values the things that are the topics of each one. Absolutely. I, love, I like what our um, the commentary uh, to the catechism says about the uses of the law. Um, the uses of the law are one to convince us of sin, mm-hmm. so to convict us of our sin, mm-hmm. um, two to drive us to Christ, um, and three to keep us alive, mm-hmm. uh, to keep us alive. And then he quotes, uh, then he quotes Wesley, and I, I like this. Uh, I cannot spare the law one moment, Wesley says, no more than I can spare Christ. Indeed, each is continually sending me to the other the law to Christ and Christ to the law. On the one hand, the height and depth of the law constrain me to fly to the love of God in Christ. On the other, the love of God in Christ endears the law to me above gold or precious stones. Um, I like that, that the, the law to Christ and Christ to the law that I, you know, that each um, um, send, send us to, to the other. Um, and it's easy to look at the ten. It's easy to look at the Ten Commandments and, and other restrictions in the in, in the Word, 
um, as that restrictive. Um, but I like what I like what Jim was pointing us to is that um, you know while it's written sort of in the negative, uh, to think about the other end of it, the the positive and what what God values. Um, um, yeah, I just uh, um, the law to Christ and Christ to the law. By the way, you can see that even in that movement, even in some of the New Testament passages where like um, like the vision that Peter has, right, where the the sheet comes down from heaven, it's got all the unclean foods on it, and God is basically saying to Peter, yes. if you're going to go do ministry to the Gentiles who are not under this these dietary laws, then go proclaim the gospel, and if you have to eat with them, eat with them. Uh, it's, it's almost a sense of almost um, giving Peter freedom to go to the to the the Gentiles and proclaim the gospel, which is supposed to happen, and not be restricted by his own dietary laws, because the dietary laws themselves they had their purpose. There was a purpose, a, an important purpose for them, um, but they, you know, the the Gentiles are not held by that, and you and, don't want to be restricted, in a sense to go proclaim the gospel to them. You know, and I'm so glad that um, things do change because um, <laughs> I spent about 12 hours this Friday cooking two hogs with my father-in-law. <laughs> wow. Hey, amen Thank you, that. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. yeah Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> absolutely. That's so good. Uh, so you also, uh, this is a good thing to think about too, the Ten Commandments, um, they also think about how they shape a community or even a person over time. Like if you're a child and you are told, uh, do, we don't lie, that means you seek to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so it sends you in a whole other trajectory. Do not kill. And then you seek over time, you and your community seek to lift up the value of life. Right. Uh, do not commit adultery. Right. You then are seeing a vision for marriage and human relationship, especially marriage relationship. And so it's not just a list of things not to do. Oh, there goes all the fun. Um, as if these things are fun, my goodness. But it also sends you in a trajectory of a certain kind of person that you will be, which mm -hmm. is eventually the whole purpose of what God is doing by forming a unique and set apart people. That's right. To be holy as he is holy, right? Too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, very good. Um, I, you know, I, I still think the Ten Commandments matter. I love the um, the history of like in the Protestant Reformation. Um, Martin Luther would famously each day uh, do a creed, like recite a creed um, and the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments every like every day as part of his daily devotion or whatever it was um, to recite the Ten Commandments every day. Can you imagine? Um, what that what that's like. Um, you get to the place where, okay, first you memorize all 10 of them and you feel good about that. But then after a while of reciting it every day, you start seeing within yourself where you're failing um, every day. Um, and that helps you to move on towards perfection in a good Wesleyan, in a good Wesleyan way. So I do think, and I, th I think we're discussing right now why they matter. Um, I, but I think the problem has happened over the last, you know, decade or two or more than that really is the politicization political yeah i can't even say it either all right jim help us out politicalization 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're just going to edit that one in and just, his, yeah. you know, it's um, <laughs> of the Ten Commandments. Right. Right. Um, in that, um, I mean, I guess the question is, is it more important than the Ten Commandments are in front of a um, courthouse or they're, they're actually followed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter if there if there is a plaque somewhere of them if we're not following them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Lord would much rather us um, follow them mm-hmm. than 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 this be an empty gesture because it fits our political agenda. Um, you know, and so I think I think so. The outside world has like, well, oh, that's just those crazy Christians um, doing their thing, right. um, and so. I think that to to a large degree for many, they just dismiss them. And, yeah. you know, um, so it's just, it's just another danger that we as the church fall into. Um, but when you turn a thing like that into, you objectify or thingify something like that, it, I mean, as if putting the, uh, putting the 10 commandments in front of a courthouse converts people to Jesus Christ or can fix them for their sins. Right. They're actually using it as a, for an idolatrous purpose. It's not everybody. I want to be real careful there. Maybe I need to check myself. I want to be real careful there. There are probably some people who out of deep faith and conviction would like for that to be something that, that they sure, see in absolutely. their league. Yeah, um, I would but agree for, with that. For what I have witnessed in terms of using it as a political punching bag um, to talk about left-right issues, it turns into an idol. Um, now is there danger if there becomes other foundation and framework for, um, legal practice? Maybe so. Um, but do you think that the poster that you demand gets put up changes that Mm -hmm. now, now let me, let me devil's advocate that for a second, because now I'm convicted of myself for overgeneralizing people and not respecting their positions at the same time. For one thing, I think people react to taking the idea of Ten Commandments at the courthouse is that all of a sudden it's not allowed. And so that becomes something that's difficult for us to swallow culturally. So the Ten Commandments themselves may or may not be an issue there, but um, the the symbol might what an interesting world. Yeah. And I agree with you. And, you know, and I'm as guilty as the next person about overgeneralizing. And it's the one thing that I get on to people about all the time as well. <laughs> so, it's um, the log in our own eye and the speck exactly in yours. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I will say this in reading these few pieces of scripture that we looked at with the catechism and knowing what I know about what Jesus teaches about the law and, and the Ten Commandments, and what we see in scripture, the, the Ten Commandments, don't there's never this call to objectify them and what i mean by that there's never this call to make copies of them and place them around it's it's a call that it's always kind of this heart issue um even even with um uh gosh i love the story of josiah and finding the law and reading the law for the first time in hundreds of years or whatever it was um the reading and the conviction in the heart, it just it seems to me like it's this speaking to this heart heart issue more than are there copies of the Ten Commandments around. So I, I'm with you, Jim. I, I'm absolutely with you. I, I think we, we need to be careful what's in the hearts of people and what are their reasons behind this. But 
it also matters for us in the church to to do accurate teaching on these and, and what the meaning behind them, the reason behind them. And it just seems to me like it's hard, it's a hard place to, to find in Scripture this idea of objectifying the Ten Commandments, making them something that they're not. That's probably Andy Stanley's argument as well. One of the things that is true that we run into in a lot of ways as teachers of the things of God um, is the, I think maybe this is why Paul says not, as the Bible says not many of them should be teachers Yeah. Um, because it's difficult and dangerous work because we've got to cut through a lot of stuff like this. Gosh, yes. Because yeah. even right now for the past few minutes, as I've thought about the 10 commandments, one of the first things that comes to my mind is the reaction against some of the pure silliness I've seen in the politics of it. Yeah. Um, but yet, what about the, uh, my, my responsibility then is to teach the substance of them. That's right. But and that's so what we're called to do is the to teach part, it. The part of it then is the difficult part is to cut through and to be able to, or to get into the meat of the revelation. You know, have you ever noticed on a different subject how there are different people number the Ten Commandments differently? Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, there, I think in the many of the Jewish traditions, um, before it says, you shall not make for yourself an idol, for the first commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Reformed Protestant circles, you have the ones that you and I might be used to. In the, is it the Orthodox or Roman Catholic circles, they combine different ones and number them that way. In all three of those traditions, they're all still there. Mm-hmm. But nobody can seem to agree on the number of the actual the actual number of the commandments. Commandments. How about that? How about you believe that? that? Um, yeah. There you go. That is interesting. Um, you know, you hit on something earlier. This idea of our our about us and the call on us to teach, like that is, um, you know, if we we work in the things of God, one of the things we disciples are called to do is to teach. Matthew twenty eight, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That, that, that's, that's the call for us in the church and as disciples. And that's not just for a select few folks who have been to seminary and have a stole on their, around their neck every Sunday. Um, it is for everyone. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're commanded to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have, com- uh, that I have commanded you. Um, I think that's part of it is if we own that, right? If we own our... The, 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 the commission that was given to us by the Lord himself, us being the church. Um, yeah, interesting. Cool stuff. So if God is awesome and we want to be with God, um, we have to uh, obey him, huh? Is that what, is that what yeah. these questions are getting to? Yeah. And, What's and I, that about? How yeah. many of you like to obey anything? Yeah, I bet I bet you guys are the guys that go seven over the speed limit because you heard they can't pull you over for for less than ten over. That's a lie. Checksnopes.com. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, I'm I'm that guy. By the way, obey. Um, uh, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, there's uh, the letter of the law, and then there's spirit. spirit. <laughs> 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 Oh, that's so great. Well, um, you know, this is, let's, let's kind of go to our Wesleyan roots here. I think this is where sanctification is really important. Um, 
that um, obedience to Jesus, obedience to the commands, obedience to who God is, um, you know, th- this is part of our sanctification, our moving on towards perfection, right? This is part of, and we can only do it through the grace of God. And I think that's a piece of the discussion that we haven't even had here yet, that it seems like obedience to the moral law, obedience to the Ten Commandments, so to the law itself, to Jesus himself, is something that is almost impossible to do outside of the grace of God within us. It is. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit, and that's why it's called grace, sanctifying grace, sanctification, moving on towards perfection through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And so, go ahead, Alan. I love, I love uh, the, the, the commentary again, uh, quoted uh, just a, a quote from the ancient church. It didn't, so anyways, it says, the soul and the body make a man, and the spirit and discipline make a Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it kind of hits on that part. We can't do this without the spirit, but... It takes discipline. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, um, and that which the spirit plus discipline really brings about um, um, entire sanctification and 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 living in sanctifying grace. And so, um, it, so I guess I say that to say this is not easy to follow these laws. I mean, right. I think I think we can read them and think, well, duh. Don't commit adultery. You know, like, like, duh, don't covet. Duh, don't, don't steal. Kill somebody. Yeah. Like, right? But then, and then Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount and says, oh, you, you've heard not to say murder, but if you've... Um, um, if you're angry with your brother. Yes, thank you. If you're yeah. angry with your brother, then you're guilty of murder. Yeah. So uh, it's like, whoa, okay. Right. So, yeah, it's not so easy than, than just words on the page. Um, but it, But through the Spirit, uh, through God's sanctifying grace, through discipline, it, you know we can um, we can live these out. We can follow them, um, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, with God's help, not right. on our own, but with God's help. Um, you know, Wesley said um, just backing that up. He said that um, the a mark of a Methodist is one who's got doctrine, spirit, and discipline. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, right on. That's that's absolutely absolutely true. Let me ask one quick question as we prepare to wrap this episode up. And this is kind of a biggie. I don't know if we want to really get into it right now or not. Why not? So. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for the question. <laughs> <laughs> no. So if we can't earn our salvation, are we in danger of throwing it away if we don't do what is required of us? Dun, dun, dun. And I don't like, even know if, if, if it's a fair question, but it's one... If we can't a, earn it, I think that's a question that First John kind of wraps itself around. It's the um, idea. Well, one, Paul says, if we want grace, should we just sin more so we should get more grace? Right, right. Yeah. No, we shouldn't do that. Um, you had the idea that we are saved by grace through faith, not mm-hmm. by works, lest mm-hmm. no man should boast. That's Ephesians. But we confuse and maybe conflate what we mean by words and actions in the scriptures. Um, yes, is there, are we saved by efforts of our own? No, because we would be climbing a ladder that is half built. Um, we need God's grace in order to enable us to do that. Well, should I then, I I am saved by God's grace, justified. Do I then have to do anything? Can I avoid following God's laws? Can I uh, eat shellfish while lusting after my neighbor's whatever? Mm. Um, 
the idea there is that if we are if we walk in the light, First John says, then there is no darkness within us. Right. Yeah. That's amen. And so, so part of it is 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 not just that we have to follow this quote letter of the law, but the law becomes written on our hearts, becomes the desire of who we are, mm-hmm. because we're gazing upon God who is holy, mm-hmm. um, who has reconciled us to Himself, and therefore it is within our nature and within our desire to walk in the ways that lead towards Him. So can you, if if we say that we have no sin, First John will also say then we are a liar, which is in and of itself sin. If we uh, say we walk in the light but do not walk in the light, we are a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we then walk away from the goodness of our salvation if we do not do what is required of us? That's a testy subject, but I think our Wesleyan heritage says that we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we can. Yeah. By our willful choice, not by accident, but by our willful choice. Right. That's how, I mean, what's what Hebrew says, right? I mean, Hebrew right. says if we continue in our sin, then the atonement is void. You know, it's uh, um, a- absolutely. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of Wesleyan teaching, especially when it gets to sanctification, is this idea that the Christian life, the Christian journey doesn't end at the altar. Um, the Christian journey continues, and you, you, you're continuing to grow in your life of faith over and over and over again, um, uh, pressing on towards the goal which was set for us in Christ Jesus, always pressing on, always moving forward. And if we stop moving forward, that's not a good thing. Well, if we, yeah, go ahead. Well, here's what I love as, you know, we look at that last question. What's, what's the, um, what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? Yeah. I love what Jesus did. I mean, I love what, I mean, I love everything. I mean, I'm, I'm appreciative of it and, as well. Uh, you know, Jesus is my man. Jesus is my man. But um, he he made it simple. Doesn't mean he made it easy, but he made it simple. Yeah. Love the Lord your God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And that sums up the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Uh, again, simple, because I need simple, have mercy. Um, but it does not mean it's any easier. Because right. um, we can get into this later, but when you look at the Ten Commandments, you can you can divide them into these are the ways that you love God; these are the way you the ways you love your neighbor. Uh, your neighbor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, so, I love how Jesus um, made it simple. Again, Amen. not easy, but simple. I think that's the I think that's the good word for us to end on for today, Alan. Um, and so I uh, want to just let y'all know uh, our next episode coming up, uh, we'll be looking at the preface of the Ten Commandments and what it can teach us, uh, the opening remarks of the Ten Commandments, which are important. And um, I'm looking forward to that with you guys. Um, if you will, hit us up on social media. Uh, at Potikesis is where you can find us, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, you can also um, check us out um, on our website, uh, you can, If you've got e- questions you want to email to us, uh, you can do that at questions at podakesis.com. As always, leave us a five-star review on Apple. Tell your friends. Tell your family. You can find us anywhere that you get your favorite podcast. Alan and Jim, it has been a pleasure once again being with you guys. I hope you all uh, will have a fantastic rest of your week. And for our Podakesis community, uh, we love you, and we will talk to you later. Have a good one. We'll